nya 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 pa mba babwe zimbabwe <clears throat> the broken bunsen burner burns so bright south jamie southeast asian peninsula hey, hey jamie yes i think the only line we need from you today is drivers who switch to progressive could say big Cool. I just got to finish my warm-ups. <clears throat> foul, foul, throw in the towel. History, history. Switch history, to Progressive history. today. Santa ski slalom in a salmon skin suit. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast. Kunal, it's been just a few weeks since this uh, Formula 1 season ended and fans are already talking about how the hell they're going to handle their withdrawal symptoms until March next year. Hello guys, I'm sure you guys have noticed that it's actually been only a few days but Mithila is deep in her withdrawal symptoms. <laughs> I miss she... it. <laughs> She's forgotten that it's only been a few days since Formula 1 2018 ended. Yeah, and guys, if you all are feeling as bad as me, as you know, upset, withdrawal symptoms, all of that, don't worry. The Inside Line Formula One podcast will be around. We're going to take you through the winter season, and hopefully, we're going to make you miss Formula One a little less. Maybe. Indeed, we'll we'll try our best, and there are a little more than a hundred days to the next race, and. we will be by your side in your smartphone or your tablet or your laptop or whatever it is that you lis- used to listen to us and however i need to start this episode with an apology an apology for missing an episode last week thank you lucian aman amit kevin and several others for checking in on us uh, we are working harder to get our schedules water tight so that we can bring to you your favorite formula 1 podcast week on week from next week. So in this week's episode we're going to discuss Fernando Alonso's farewell race and we're going to ask the question how soon before we see Alonso back in Formula 1. 10 years to the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix was 2018 the best race yet and we have Lucien with his moments in time section later in the show. What will force India's announcement be when they finally announce Lance Stroll as their driver? If Mercedes hadn't left Formula 1 in the 50s would their records be better than Ferrari's? And my favorite question, did Ferrari back the wrong driver in 2018? <laughs> well, the Inside Line F1 podcast is available on iTunes, on Audio Boom and every audio streaming platform on the internet. So go ahead and subscribe to our channel for your weekly dose of formula 1 humor. Oh and a big thank you to the guys at Feedspot. Thank you all for listing us in your top 20 formula 1 podcast to listen to. Yes and we are actually proud to be listed in the top 10 of the top 20 list, you know, just making a statement <laughs> there. The front half of the grid. <laughs> <laughs> But thank you so much for your listens everyone. Yeah, so Kunal, we're going to talk about Fernando Alonso now. He has left Formula One, and do you actually think he took away like this huge chunk of fans, just the way Schumacher did when he retired? 
Frankly, I really hope not. And uh, I also think I can't think this particular way because I've always followed Formula One or any sport for that matter, for the sport itself and not for any particular sports person. Yeah, I remember when we were in Barcelona for the Spanish Grand Prix earlier this year, we met this huge Alonso fan. His name was Sergio and he was at the Grand Prix only to watch Fernando Alonso in action. Sergio, we really hope that, you know, you're going to go back and watch the 2019 Spanish Grand Prix too, <laughs> even if Alonso may or may not be there. <laughs> well, there were actually so many Alonso farewells this weekend that I almost lost count. And uh, I liked Alonso's farewell to Formula One, though. He gave a damn about the rules. Uh, he drove past the same chicane three times over to collect three five-second time penalties. And this is when he was chasing like Kevin Magnussen for 10th place. And I also like to remind you about the hilarious radio message about how he has, what, 1800 Formula One points or something. <laughs> <laughs> he could have actually wrapped up with 1900 Formula One points. But all, all in all, I am going to miss Fernando Alonso as the grid lines up next season. I'm wondering if Fernando Alonso is actually going to let us miss him too much. Because, Kunal, I get this very strong feeling that he's going to be back sooner than we think Okay, in Formula 1. So, so mm. let me ask you the question and let me ask the question in general to all of us. What season do you think will Fernando Alonso be back in Formula 1? And please remember, he's already talking of testing McLaren's 2019 car. And remember, you can write to us, let us know, leave a comment wherever you hear this podcast. Will Fernando Alonso be back in Formula 1 in 2020? 2021 or 2022? I mean, that was easy, right? Just three consecutive years for me. <laughs> what do you think? I think, it's, um, I think it's going to be 2020 because that's also his most realistic bet, uh, you know, keeping his age and all that into perspective. And with that, I hope that McLaren improve or maybe even Renault because more than when, I am also wondering with which team will Fernando Alonso make his comeback to Formula 1? Yeah, on that note, because I highly doubt Ferrari, Mercedes or Red Bull Racing will have him because they have a solid junior driver lineup and they're already grooming their junior drivers. Which is why I'm wondering, you know, if it's going to be with McLaren or Renault. I mean, they both need to improve and they give him even a half-decent car. We all know what, you know, Fernando Alonso can do with that. He could be back. Or Racing Point could just hire him as a driver slash coach for Lance Stroll. <laughs> you know, but either way, I think he is going to be back. And uh, honestly, the later it gets, the tougher it will be. So I'm going to be watching out for him. Yeah, and you know, if we think of the Renault situation, we're going to have a Hulkenberg versus Daniel Ricciardo in 2019. And this could lead the team to choose, you know, one clear better driver than the other. So Renault could actually make a choice for 2020 if Alonso is available. And as for McLaren, I think they could like just bend over backwards, forwards, sideways, all directions <laughs> to have him. <laughs> but here's a stat that defines how bad Alonso's last four seasons have been. Lewis Hamilton has scored more points in the last seven races of 2018 than Fernando Alonso did at McLaren since 2015. Ouch. That is really bad. <laughs> but honestly, as Fernando Alonso goes off chasing the Triple Crown, um, Kural, I think all of us just wish him all the best. 
And, you know, he may be out of Formula One, but I really think that uh, Fernando Alonso is going to stay with us here on the Inside Line Formula One podcast, you know. That yeah. is so philosophical. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we yes, love him. <laughs> we're going to try our best to get Fernando Alonso on the podcast. It's not that we've not tried already, but here's another statistic. So Fernando Alonso whitewashed Stoffel Van Doon in qualifying in 2018. The last time this happened in Formula One, it was in 2008 when Fernando Alonso partnered Nelson Piquet Jr. at Renault. Wow. Yeah, and after this, Nelson Piquet went on to win the Formula E championship. And uh, we all know who is actually headed for Formula E next, Stoffel Van Doon himself. So could Stoffel Van Doon be the next Formula E champion? My who knows? God, could I just trust you to find these crazy correlations? <laughs> but yeah, all eyes on Stoffel Van Doon because something tells me that he might actually perform really well in Formula E. McLaren have partnered with OnePlus and they are going to be releasing a co-branded phone shortly. That's what all these partnerships eventually end up with. Fantastic. Guys, I am a OnePlus user. I'm also a McLaren fan. I don't know how many of you all know this, but since their Kimi Raikkonen days. So I think I'm quite thrilled to hear about this partnership. Well, wait till you hear all the McLaren jokes rubbing off on OnePlus, you know. The phones run low on battery and uh, they have low power. And I don't know, but do you really want me to think of more <laughs> of it? As long as the phone works. But guys, jokes aside, I really love how McLaren manages such cool partnerships. Yeah, finally, they're getting all these partnerships in place. But here too, I would rate Force India as number one in finding sponsorships. I mean, their cars are pink for a reason. And McLaren's cars are bare orange for a reason. Burn. <laughs> but really, uh, good stuff by Renault to share with McLaren, a get-to-know Carlos guide on social media. Uh, you know, when we have Carlos signs on our podcast, and hopefully that'll be soon, I am definitely going to ask him why he gets into the car from the right and then gets out from the left. Like, what is the significance of that? Maybe it is the same significance as to why some drivers wear the same underwear through the whole weekend. You know, superstitions and all of that. <laughs> But of course, we'd love to hear it from Carlos Sainz himself. So, Mithila, all the best on getting him on our show. Okay, so, and as we speak, the post-season test has just concluded in Abu Dhabi. And Force India, who actually haven't announced Lance Stroll yet, had Lance Stroll driving for them. How soon before we hear Force India signs a multi-year contract with Lance Stroll? And I really wonder how many years it would be, though. Yeah, maybe this was their way of announcing it, you know, he's just driving for us. <laughs> <laughs> say it as it is. But, you know, Langstroll will then say that he had other options and he considered Force India over the others and thanks to their form and blah, blah, blah. And Kunal, I'm wondering if Langstroll will break the record of the most number of races entered with the same team once he moves to Force India. There's some record that he'll hold at least, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm also eager to see how he stacks up against Sergio Perez next season. Because honestly, Stroll had a lot of flack uh, during his time at Williams. And in Stroll's words, they were character building. You know, I'm still stuck on what Force India would announce for Lance Stroll. Could they have also said that Lance finally agrees on joining father Lawrence's business in Formula One? Or something like Lance to drive forward family's Formula One business. And can you imagine the implications of these headlines when Lance crashes the car? You know, Lance crashes his family's Formula One business. <laughs> <laughs> well, there go all our future interview opportunities with Lance Stroll. I really hope 
neither of the wills from force india are listening to us <laughs> well then we're lucky that we already had lance on this show you know <laughs> you know the other thing that i saw was raikinen sober catching fire and he was trying to extinguish it himself i'm guessing kimi raikinen was just too fast for the sober <laughs> <laughs> and who actually better than the ice man to douse the fire himself kunal <laughs> i knew that was coming i so knew you were going to crack that joke and thank you for not disappointing me <laughs> but kimi raikinen has left ferrari as their last world champion last grand prix winner and last pole sitter basically sebastian vettel just doesn't exist ouch now Sebastian Vettel definitely needs a break. He needs to recharge and refresh and all of that. And uh, Raikkonen was actually asked to leave Ferrari the one season when he performed to his merit. And like we all know, it was it is the first time since 2008 that both Ferrari drivers finished in the top 3 in the drivers championship. So much for Kimi Raikkonen not actually wanting to. <laughs> and I don't know if I'm being cheeky or too cheeky or whatever. But Kimi Raikkonen outperforming Vettel this season actually makes me wonder if Ferrari backed the wrong driver <laughs> all through this season. That is a very good point and especially how Ferrari sabotaged Raikkonen's races earlier in the season to benefit Vettel. So that's a very good point. Thank you. And Fernando Alonso is out, but Robert Kubica is in and I'm actually so glad because uh, when we were at the race in Barcelona guys We met Alonso and we met Kubica. For Alonso it was his 300th Grand Prix start and for Kubica it was his first official appearance for Williams. So pretty iconic, stories. right? Yeah. Yeah. And after 8 years of Kubica uh fighting, he's back to where he belongs and I'm just so thrilled that life and the sport for that matter has given him this second shot. And I know that a lot of fans aren't pleased that Kubica got a shot at the cost of, you know, Esteban Ocon not being on the grid next year. But I think Formula 1 needs to celebrate Kubica's epic comeback without any strings attached. I mean, he was so loved in his earlier avatar, you know, when he was one of the best talents on the grid and maybe he still is. I mean, let's just see if he still has it. And imagine this, if Ocon got the role and if Bottas didn't perform well at Mercedes next year too. I mean, next year um Well. Yeah. <laughs> Mercedes can't then do a mid-season swap between Ocon and Bottas. Now, do you really think that they could do that? I mean, why not? Because you know, honestly, Ocon is waiting to prove himself, and he belongs in this whole Verstappen, Leclerc, uh, Pierre Gasly breed of young drivers. You know, but I must say that Mercedes and Hamilton are riding this massive wave of fortune because Mercedes even won the eSports championship, you know, a couple of weeks ago. I so I have another question, Kunal. Do you think Mercedes could have beaten Ferrari's historical records if they had not left the sport when they did in the 1950s? Speculative, but that's a damn good question as well. Thank you, thank you. That's yes. what I do. <laughs> I, I really missed having this epi, you know, the the last couple of episodes on the podcast. So I'm glad we are back to asking all <laughs> the right stuff. But given all of Lewis Hamilton's records this season, here's one more. So Hamilton has had 73 wins with Mercedes Power, and but of course he's only one with Mercedes Power. But at 73. He is now one win more than what Michael Schumacher had with Ferrari power. And Hamilton broke the 400 points record in 
in 21 races. So he is almost at a, what, 19 points something average points per race. And this means that his average finishing position was better than second place all season. And Kunal, he had a DNF in one race. Now, I know how we keep saying that success in Formula One has become a function of what car a driver races. And uh, even if one would credit Mercedes for all of Lewis Hamilton's previous world championship wins, 2018 solely belongs to what Hamilton could do as a driver. Yeah, but I can't get over his tripping act on the podium. <laughs> like, Ricardo removing his shoe on the podium was bad enough for some drivers. And trust Hamilton to just take it up several notches. I'm sure that the FIA will, you know, issue a new regulation against such acts in the near future. Yeah, And I love Will Smith, but man, we had just a bit too much of him. I mean, I understand he's a fan or a super fan or whatever, but... Please, let us use celebrities in moderation, guys. (laughs) Kunal Will's PR agents have just reached out and they want to have him on our podcast. What should we do? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) So what else do we have from Abu Dhabi? Force India went from chasing McLaren for 6th to defending Sauber for 7th. And I think Ocon's disqualification and retirements in the last few races just cost them a lot of points. And Perez's points actually helped them seal the deal for 7th. And Ocon's bad luck saw him drop out of the top 10 in the Drivers' Championship. Yes, Perez's points, Perez's, you know, intervention mid-season, Perez's sponsors. No wonder Force India is not willing to let go of Sergio Perez. always Perez, yeah. And I liked how Hamilton, Vettel and Alonso did donuts at will, while Roman Grosja had to ask for permission. And I still couldn't figure or can't figure what his pit wall said. But it was, you know, good to see Roman Groshaw being all rebellious because I don't think he's that kind of, you know, he gives that kind of a vibe of being a rebel. <laughs> but Kunal, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question and please be honest. Tell me if you thought too that it was Groshaw who flipped Hulkenberg before you actually saw the replays. <laughs> of course I did, much like... <laughs> All of, uh, you know, all of Formula 1 fans. I mean, I'm really sorry, Roman, but I really thought it was you. But I must say, Hulkenberg's radio message had me cracking up, you know, hanging in there like a cow, really. (laughs) I saw you Uh, sing that video like 500 (laughs) times and you're still laughing. Like the one animal he could think of was the cow. (laughs) No wonder you like him so much. He's hilarious. (laughs) And in Abu Dhabi, it was also ironic that Renault was the only manufacturer to have no retirements, while Ferrari, Mercedes and Honda did. And finally, Kunal, after lots of speculation and juggling and whatnot, we have the full lineup for 2019 ready. Welcome to Formula One, Alexander Albon. Welcome to Formula One. And despite such a robust driver training program, Red Bull has hired three discards in the last one, one and a half years to fill up their cockpit. So first they brought back Brendan Hartley to replace Danny Kivat. Then they brought Danny Kivat back to replace Pierre Gasly. And now they have Alexander Albon back to replace Brendan Hartley. Yeah, I'm sure Red Bull Racing never thought that they would need to hire discarded drivers to replace their discarded drivers. (laughs) (laughs) But I really wonder if these discards actually have a future with Red Bull. Because honestly, unless Gasly screws up big time, they're just not going to let him go out of their sight. That's true. I mean, you know, and I wonder what Brendan Hartley is going to do now. Because 
he let go of his you know WEC and sports car racing career to come back to Formula One, and I really hope he gets back into the world endurance racing scene because he is a two times world champion there. But after months of waiting for a promotion from Mercedes, Daniel Ricciardo finally got a Mercedes promotion. Just that this time he got to handle Mercedes's Instagram account for a few minutes. I mean, what a dude. I, <laughs> I love how that he did that to I think Lewis Hamilton last year or the year yeah, before. Yeah, on the podium. Yeah, and this time it was Mercedes. Yeah, and I'll tell you whether Renault has the fast car or not, they better have a damn good marketing team that can match up, you know, with the good work that Red Bull Racing did with Ricardo. Absolutely. I I I don't know if, you know, Max Verstappen is going to be as funny uh, with the Red Bull videos. But <laughs> anyway, Mick Schumacher has confirmed a Formula 2 drive for 2019. And that's a smart move. He's also going to partner Sebastian Vettel in the race of champions later this year. And you know, the Vettel-Schumacher partnership still holds several records in the race of champions. So let's see how this one goes. And talking of Formula 2, congratulations, George Russell, on your championship win. And see you in Formula 1 next year. See you indeed. And, you know, like I said before, I can't recollect when last did so many drivers graduate from Formula 2 to Formula 1 in one single year. So we're going to have George Russell, Alexander Albon and Lando Norris in 2019. We had Charles Leclerc graduate in 2018. Uh, And in the previous seasons, we've had Esteban Ocon, Pierre Gasly. And let's remember, even Max Verstappen is a young driver and they've all literally come up in the last couple of years. You know, Barring Mercedes, Haas and Renault, all other teams on the grid actually have a young driver lineup. That's like 70% of the teams on the grid are going to have young drivers in Formula 1. And you very conveniently forgot about Lance Troll. (laughs) (laughs) It was not intentional, guys. It was not intentional. (laughs) But before we get on with uh, Mithila's What Wolf Said This Week section, here's a tweet that I read from Adam Cooper a couple of hours ago. 17 years from now would mean that Charles Leclerc would go back to racing for Sauber in 2035. Now, he, of course, said this in reference to Kimi Raikkonen going back to racing for Sauber next year. Fantastic. Kunal, do you think Raikkonen will drive into the Ferrari pit box at least once uh, at the start of next year? (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. I think Lewis Hamilton did that once when he switched to Mercedes, right? Yeah. <laughs> but okay, guys, now we're going to move to the What Wolf Said This Week section. So, Wolf said that Verstappen can be world champion if he irons out his raw edges. And my reaction to that, tell us something new. This is a very old story about Max Verstappen. Now, I won't be surprised if Mercedes are actually letting Red Bull Racing put Max Verstappen in shape and then poach him in maybe 2021. Yeah, Verstappen Sr. said that Hamilton would not be a match for Max in the same car. And, you know, whatever said, I love watching them both battle. Kind of like this old guard versus new guard thing going on. Yes, and I loved uh, Verstappen's overtake on Valtteri Bottas in Abu Dhabi. It was like, you know how they do it in go-karts. He literally just sent it in and Bottas was probably surprised, you know. Wolf also said that 2018 could have damaged Botas mentally. And while Formula One and our podcast is all fun and games, I really, really want to see Botas come back in 2019 and kick some serious ass. Like Sebastian Vettel, Valtteri Botas needs a break. You know, he needs to regroup as well. 
Because both these drivers encountered Lewis Hamilton in his best season ever. And I mean, I really wonder, that said, I really wonder if Hamilton can get any better than this or if he actually even needs to. It is the other drivers who definitely need to up their game in 2019. And uh, I'll tell you what else is going to up their game in 2019. It's going to be Formula One. I am excited about the new aerodynamic changes that are being introduced. Formula One has done exhaustive research for the first time in the sports history. So irrespective of where it gets us, I am just so glad that they are trying. Because in the Ecclestone era, they just left it to chance and hope and God or something. Yeah. Rosbrun said that the gap between the top three and the midfield is scary. Interesting choice of words. And it's strange that the only drivers outside the top three teams to get podiums were uh, Stroll last year with Williams and then Perez this year with Force India. Red Bull Racing's tally of points in third place is almost equal to the points scored by all the other teams from fourth to tenth place. And that in itself is where I would get scared as well. Yeah. Uh, Chase Carey said that there will be no new engine in 2021, but he thinks that Formula One might still be able to attract new manufacturers as the tech requirements are very road relevant. Um, Honestly, I don't think Mr. Carey has heard of a certain series called Formula E. (laughs) (laughs) Which reminds me, Formula E starts in a few weeks from now and I am bloody excited to see the Generation 2 car go wheel to wheel. But... Uh, even though Mr. Carey is excited, Aston Martin has bailed on his Formula 1 plans. And I think they were one of two manufacturers considering entry into the sport, the other being Porsche. But I must also say that, you know, we've been hearing all along that how introducing the new engine was more about time than cost. And how Formula 1 has generally deferred decisions to a point where even if they wanted to make a change, they couldn't just because there was... There was not enough time available to make the change. So maybe it's time to ponder on, you know, the timing of when Formula One wants to make changes. And finally, uh, from what we know, Formula Two drivers were asked not to use the words pissed off in their press interviews in Abu Dhabi. And I would love to know why. So I am going to find out and I am going to tell each of you all (laughs) when I do. But guys, on that note, here's Lucien's moments in time section for you all. But before we tune in, here's a quick apology. I'm going to apologize again. Lucien was ready with his section on time, just that we ended up not having an episode before Abu Dhabi. So you're celebrating 10 years to Abu Dhabi in our life, the Lucien way. Welcome to Moments in Time on the Inside Line for the final time in 2018. Today, we discuss the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. The one thing I find amazing every single year when watching this race is that I tell myself I'm going to keep an eye on the sky to see the transition from dusk to dark. I never get it right because often the race is a procession and quite boring. Or I have been engrossed in some midfield track action and suddenly it is dark and I did not notice the change. On paper, it is a fantastic track, but with like many soulless modern circuits, There's nothing really that keeps your attention. Visual cues, landmarks, and especially mostly being in the dark, it's actually a a track that's very easy to forget. And with many races being quite processional, it's very hard to actually recall great classic races. Can you think of a great classic race at Abu Dhabi? Sure, 2016 was intense, all to do with the World Championship outcome. 
and Rosberg certainly caused some grey hairs that day. But 2010 was even more full-on. Alonso came in as favourite to take the title, closely followed by Webber, with Vettel an outside chance if something went wrong for the other two. Well, something or someone called Vitaly Petrov did go wrong for the other two, and while Ferrari were too focused on Webber and his pit strategy, it was Sebastian Vettel winning the race, almost unnoticed, and taking his maiden title to the massive groans worldwide of the Webber and Alonso fans. It left a bitter taste in the mouth for many. And I say this because during the season, if anybody seemed least deserving of the top few that were fighting for that title, it was Sebastian. Sure, even then, on his day, he was sublime, but he was too hit and miss, much like now, ironically. Anyhow, seeing Nando being held up by Vitaly Petrov and Weber stuck too was just too painful to watch. It was like each lap we thought, surely this lap, surely he'll get past, surely. With these moments in time, most of what you hear me talk about comes from my memory, not from reading fact sheets. But such is the nature of this modern circuit and its subsequent average races, I can barely recall a thing. I do remember in 2010, Michael Schumacher spinning on the first lap and having a car, a Force India I think, if memory serves, climbing up on front of him and nearly taking his head off. That same year, Webby hit the wall, glancing a tyre in an effort to win the title he never would win. And Massa did have some calamities over the years, but it all blows into one. This has been a Hamilton and Vettel track, but Bottas and Rosberg have snuck in a win when Hamilton has been too hungover to compete after winning the titles in 2017 and 2015 respectively. Slight artistic license implemented there. Playing this track on the Xbox is fantastic. It is a great mix of tight and twisty with a massive straight. Nando gave himself a back injury one year when he ran wide and launched up in the air coming down with a thud. Vettel took out a DRS sign one year, nervously trying to win a title, and he was also spun around and hit by Bruno Senna, with his car noticeably damaged. Probably the best race and memory of this track is Kimi Raikkonen's win in 2012. He won for the first time since his comeback and gave us those now immortalised words. Leave me alone, I know what I am doing. <laughs> was that for a poor attempt? I have a t-shirt with that on it. And it is one of the many quirky things that Kimi has said that have made him so popular. I predict Hamilton will walk away with this one, capping off a stellar season for him and his team. But Bottas has a point to prove, which I don't think he can prove. He has had long enough to prove what we all know is not there now. What should be a fitting end to a season has often ended in an anticlimax, so it would be fitting to see Kimi win for what surely would be the final time, or Danny Rick, or Nando in his final race. Oh yeah right, dreams are free. Anyway, that's it for Moments in Time on the Inside Line with Lucien Byfield. Bring on next year, go Charles Leclerc. Thank you so much Lucien. Guys, we're going to have an episode next week. It's going to be out on the 7th of December. So mark your calendars. Remember to tune in. Thank you so much for listening to us and for sharing our passion. Uh, You know, we've enjoyed bringing and presenting Formula One, the various battles and the politics through the whole 2018 season. And even if Formula One is on a winter break, we will not be so. You are going to hear us week on week here on Adios. In your attic, fully covered means fully insulated. If you can see your rafters, you're losing heat and money. But with the Home Depot, 
It's easy to add blow-in insulation yourself in just a few hours, and you'll save up to 15% on heating and cooling costs for years to come. Winter temps are here, so are winter heating bills. Are you covered? Right now, get a free blow-in machine rental when you purchase 10 bags or more of select blow-in insulation. Only at The Home Depot. How doers get more done.